It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Health officials vow to do everything in their power to track down six diners yet to be traced after an Omicron outbreak at a restaurant. As a residential building in Taiwan is locked down following a preliminary positive case from a diner who lives there, and the editors of an online media outlet say they're shutting down their website because they don't feel safe to carry on. Health officials say they'll leave no stone unturned in the search for six people who haven't yet come forward after dining at a restaurant linked to a growing COVID-19 cluster. Five people who ate at the Moon Palace in Kowloon Tong last Monday are now confirmed to have the virus, while a 66-year-old woman who's in quarantine has tested preliminary positive. Dr Albert Au is from the Centre for Health Protection. For the six cases with no contact information, our staff in the contact tracing office, they will review the CCTV in the mall in order to identify the whereabouts and also uh, we will see whether we can uh, trace them according to their autopus record or uh, other credit card records, etc. The SAR reported 29 cases today. All were imported except for one linked to the Moon Palace. And authorities locked down the residential building in Taiwan where the 66-year-old woman lives. Residents of Tower 2 of Granville Garden on Pictin Street will need to get tested and stay in their homes until all results are out. The authorities hope to complete the operation by 7.30 in the morning. Senior editors of online media outlet Citizen News say they're closing down because they no longer feel safe to continue their work at what they say is an uncertain time for the industry. As Timmy Sung reports, the Journalists Association again urged the government to safeguard press freedom in accordance with the basic law. Citizen News chief writer Chris Jiang said the outlet took the decision to fold following last week's police raid on another online media group, Stan News, and the sedition charges laid against two people associated with it. About 40 staff at Citizen News will be out of work, and its website won't be updated after tonight. One of the affected staff, Mr Chen, said the closure came as no surprise. My understanding is that our colleagues have prepared for this day to come. Many things have been shrinking, but there are still people trying their best. In the media industry, it's not just us who are having a tough time. Many journalists are still steadfastly doing their jobs. Let's keep the faith. The media firm's chief editor, D.C. Lee, said closing down is the best decision because she could no longer assess which news reports or comment might fall foul of the law. Mr. Yuan also said it's unclear where the lines are and they could not tell if articles or reports published in the past could now be problematic. We have not been contacted by police or national security uh, officers on any matters. But the indications are clear that overall uh, media is facing an increasingly tough environment. For those who are being seen as critical or troublemakers, they are more vulnerable. This is what we are facing. And, and that's why we made the decision against, uh, in, 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 in the midst of those uncertainties, that we are not able to get a clear, assuring picture that we decide not to operate. The former chairman of the Hong Kong Journalists Association also said he hopes young reporters won't be deterred by the closure of Citizen News, saying there's still a role for the media to play in society. He said while there's now less room for manoeuvre, this has not yet been reduced to zero. The Journalists Association said it's regrettable and sad to see two media organisations winding up within a week. 
It said it's difficult to estimate how the latest closures will affect Hong Kong's reputation as Asia's world city, and urged the government to protect press freedom, as stipulated in the Basic Law. To the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow, it will be mainly fine, with a minimum temperature tomorrow morning of about 17 degrees in urban areas, a few degrees even lower in the new territories, a top temperature of about 21 degrees. Becoming cloudy later, and winds will be moderate to fresh easterlies. The outlook cloudier with one or two rain patches on Wednesday, mainly cloudy with sunny intervals in the following few days. Currently, the observatory, the temperature is 18 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity now stands at 82%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Hong Kong's 90 lawmakers have been sworn in during an oath-taking ceremony in Lejko. All but four made the pledge in Cantonese, but two missed out words and had to retake their oaths, as Jimmy Choi reports. Chief Executive Carrie Lam officiated at the event, which began with those present singing the national anthem. The legislators-elect then took turns according to their seniority to swear allegiance to the Hong Kong SAL under basic law, with Tommy Jung, Jeffrey Lam and Andrew Lung taking the lead. FTU lawmaker Lok Chong Hong and Tik Chi Yun had to retake their oaths, with Mr Lok missing out the word lawmaker on his first attempt, and the only non-establishment member of the new LegCo omitting the words Hong Kong. Mr. Tick said he was embarrassed about his mistake. I really don't understand why. Because I practiced many, many times. And then maybe, maybe we cannot focus myself or sometimes feel nervous about this. I don't know. But anyway, our secretary remind me that uh, if we have seen, make some uh, mistake about the presentation, about the announcement, announcement you can repeat once again act, uh, correctly. It's no problem about this. The DAB's Gary Chan did not raise his right hand as he was meant to, but he was not required to pledge his allegiance again. Most lawmakers took their oaths in Cantonese, except Tommy Zhang, who uttered his pledge in English, and Chao Meng Kong, Sun Dong, and Tan Yu Hang, who spoke in Putonghua. A number of legislators also swore on the Bible. The Chief Secretary John Lee has slammed an editorial published in the Wall Street Journal, accusing the paper of misleading readers about the situation in Hong Kong. Vicky Wong reports. Headlined, No One is Safe in Hong Kong, the editorial published on Wednesday criticised the closure of Stan News, the arrests of seven people linked to the now-defunct website and the levying of further charges against Apple Daily executives. The chief secretary responded by saying that the allegations were baseless. He said that the recent arrests had nothing to do with press freedom and were made under the crimes ordinance for conspiracy to publish seditious publication. He said that freedom of speech and press were protected under the basic law and the national security law. Mr Lee also wrote that the editorial was wrong to claim that the authorities imposed trumped-up charges or froze assets without due process, saying law enforcement agencies acted in accordance with the law. The chief secretary rejected as false and appalling an assertion in the editorial that last month's LegCo election was rigged. The chief secretary signed off by saying that with peace and stability restored, Hong Kong is back on track. Mr Lee's letter followed two letters to the same newspaper by the mainland affairs minister Eric Zung last month. Local retailers have logged a tenth straight month of sales growth, although the pace is slowing. The total value of shop sales in November rose 7.1% from a year ago, down from the more than 12% increase recorded the month before. 
jewellery, watches and clocks, as well as medicines and cosmetics, all recorded double-digit growth. But supermarket sales slipped about 3%. The chairwoman of the Hong Kong Retail Management Association, Annie Altair, explained that the 7.1% growth figure came partly because of a low base last year. She also expressed concern that the spread of the Omicron variant would deal a further blow to the industry. It really depends on the severity of the uh, of Omicron, whether it can be contained or whether it will um, spread without control. Of course, if the outbreak is going to worsen the retail sales, it's going to if it is going to affect the traffic of uh, consumers. Of course, the sales of supermarkets and all those food related categories will have a reason to rise. But the situation we have to observe and it's still an unknown to everybody. So we still have to observe the situation in the coming month. Troubled mainland developer China Evergrande has suspended trading in its shares again at the local stock exchange, pending an announcement. Earlier, mainland media reported that Evergrande had been ordered to demolish 39 luxury apartments on Hainan Island because they'd been built illegally. The Sunjin-based property group has debts of more than 300 billion US dollars. Richard Frost is a senior editor at Bloomberg in Hong Kong. This is making it very clear that Beijing is not going to tolerate what it considers bad behavior by companies. The problem with this particular project is that they said the building permit was illegally obtained. This project has been contentious for a number of years. So the timing, why do it now, definitely sends a very strong signal that they're not going to let up in their crackdown on the property sector. The onslaught of Omicron has seen India record its sharpest ever surge in infections. They almost tripled last week and now young people aged between 15 and 18 have become eligible for the COVID vaccine. The biggest rise in COVID cases was in the northwest state of Maharashtra. From its capital, Mumbai, here's the BBC's Yogita Lemaye. These surges are the highest we've seen since the start of the pandemic. The silver lining to it right now, authorities say, is that most of the infections that they're seeing are mild. Not that many people are needing to go to hospital the way we saw in April and May during the Delta fueled wave that we had in India. And they're saying that about 90% of oxygen beds and critical care beds in this city are vacant and therefore they can deal with this. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison says his country's health system can cope with the new wave of COVID infections. As Victoria State reported a record number of new cases and hospitalizations surged in New South Wales. Victoria reported 8,577 new cases, a record for the state, which eclipsed the previous peak of 7,442 on New Year's Day. New South Wales, Australia's most populous state, saw a slight decline in case numbers from a record 22,577 on Saturday to 20,794 yesterday. But there were more people in hospital and in intensive care. Mr Morrison said Australia's health system was well equipped to deal with the surging case numbers caused by the spread of the Omicron variant. It's important that uh, with the rising case numbers we see that the severeness of this illness is already being shown to be around 75% less than what we saw with Delta. So rising case numbers is part of the Omicron variant. It's part of the, the new phase of the pandemic we're in. We've invested hundreds of billions of dollars getting Australia through this crisis. Uh, but we're now in a stage of the pandemic where you can't just make everything free because when someone tells you they want to make something free, someone's always going to pay for it and it's going to be you. 
Secondary school pupils in England are to be tested for COVID at least once before rejoining classes for the new term later this week. Officials have also urged eligible teenagers to get their second vaccine or booster jab. The BBC's John Donison has more. The government in Westminster says it wants to do everything it can to avoid empty classrooms and home learning. Despite shortages, the government says secondary schools have already been provided with the test kits. Once the school term restarts, pupils will be asked to continue to take lateral flow tests at home twice a week. It follows the announcement over the weekend that secondary school pupils in England will be required to wear face masks in class, as is already the case in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Israel has begun administering a fourth dose of coronavirus vaccine to people over 60 and to health workers as it faces a rising tide of Omicron cases. The BBC's Yolande Nell sent this report from Jerusalem. Already those over 60 have been queuing at vaccination centres to get their fourth COVID jabs. Announcing this new rollout on television, the Prime Minister told Israelis that they would now have a new layer of defence after the country's top medical officials signed off on the additional booster. Last week, Israel approved a fourth dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine to elderly people in care homes and to those with compromised immune systems. Like other countries, Israel has seen a rapid rise in daily COVID cases, driven by the highly transmissible Omicron variant, with numbers increasing almost fourfold in the past week. Pressure is mounting on the authorities in India to find those responsible for creating an app that published pictures of Muslim women saying they were on sale. The app Bully Bai was named after a pejorative term for Muslim women used by right-wing Hindu nationalists. The BBC's Aina Aslam reports. There was outrage after pictures of more than 100 prominent Muslim women, including journalists, actors and activists, appeared on the app Bullybuy saying they were for auction. The web platform GitHub that hosted the app has since taken it down and police have registered cases against the perpetrators. But women's rights groups and several politicians in India have called for more urgent action. About six months ago, a similar app, Sully Deals, shared pictures of dozens of Muslim women, describing them as deals of the day. The police still haven't made any arrests in the Sully Deals case. The first trial of driverless cars is getting underway on a road in Britain. The BBC's Nikki Cardwell has the details. The vehicles are not completely autonomous. They're controlled remotely by an operator who has a 360-degree view of the roads from cameras mounted onto the body of the car. And for the next few months, the cars will have a safety driver to intervene should there be a problem. It's the first time that driverless vehicles have been tested in the UK and only the second time that remotely controlled cars have been driven on public highways anywhere in the world. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Health officials vow to do everything in their power to track down six diners yet to be traced after a Covid outbreak at a restaurant. As a residential building in Taiwan is locked down following a preliminary positive result from a diner who lives there, and the editors of an online media outlet say they're shutting down their website because they don't feel safe to carry on. The news from RTHK.
Into our second hour this Monday evening, The Beatles and Oh Darling from the Abbey Road album. What's that, about 1969, somewhere around there, anyway. Uh, this one takes us into the 70s. Big hit, of course, for Helen Reddy on three. You live your life in the songs you hear on the rock and roll radio. And when a young girl doesn't have any friends, that's a really nice place to go. Folks hoping you'd turn out cool, but they had to take you out of school. You're a little touched, you know, ain't you, baby? Lovers appear in your room each night and they whirl you across the floor. But they always seem to fade away when your daddy taps on your door. Angie, girl, are you all right? Well 